Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I am Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise... The family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? Hello. The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family was killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. You know something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. <laughs> I'm gonna spill, spill. Twisted web. We are not finished untangling it. Not yet. What is this? CSI KFC? I say, I say, I am but a simple country detective. And I'm Sebastian. Is that close enough? I don't know. That's not in the film. <laughs> That's not what? Like, not, do, you need, do you need more Southern? You'd imagine it's like a game show. But think of a community theater production of a tax return. I'm Andy Shusler. I read a tweet of a New York Times article about you. And I'm Jordan. and welcome to our review of knives out surprise you're not apollo 13 no no you're not (laughs) even better 
Yeah, I mean, like, oh, oh, would I say it's better? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen Tom Hanks, just in general, let alone in that specific movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got a sneaky murder mystery on our hands. How exciting. Brought to us. And a fantastic one at that. Mm. And brought to us by the murderer himself, the man who killed Star Wars, Ryan Johnson. No, <laughs> no, Star Wars died a long death in the in the late nineties. <laughs> That's fine. So, indeed, I am very happy to be doing this film. I love murder mysteries. I like specifically Agatha Christie stories. I know they're like they're kind of cheesy now, or not cheesy, but they're all. I can actually use this expression probably. I think they're a bit old hat and that's fine. I love them. They always have a, a big old place in my heart and it was nice seeing a new a new take on the same sort of formula. So I was very excited to come in, especially when I began to realize exactly the kind of movie I was sitting in on. But alas, this is the first What's time. What's it a new take? Uh, kind of. We'll go. It's, it's, it's intricate. It's certainly... Very intricate and sophisticated in how it goes about mm. it, but it's it, it's a murder mystery with a twist. The only I wouldn't th- say it's revolutionary. It's just fucking good. The only new yeah, take I would it's, say it's not like yeah, it's not like you know revolutionary or anything, but it kind of did, I guess, bring that whole kind of genre back to the forefront because you don't really get okay, like yeah. prior to this, I don't think there was really too many like movies that really kind of follow that old school kind of who done it type of thing. Oh god, Adam Sandler like, had a go at it and completely well, tried it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't like it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but I think it kind of brings that um, brings a bit more light to to an almost kind of forgotten genre or trope. I guess the only right. part in New Take okay. that I meant was specifically, and I know it does sort of change here and there throughout the beginning to the end of the film, but we do, in theory, learn very early on who the murderer is. And then we play out the rest of the film. And obviously there are twists and turns within that, as opposed to in a traditional murder mystery, kind of staying blind the entire way until said reveal. Mm. So that was in terms of a new take, just because we did, we we, we followed one key suspect in a a particular way for a long time. I do want to say- That's right. It it starts as a whodunit. Then it turns into a, how can she get away with it? And then comes back to a whodunit where we find the actual- the actual, the actual killer. killer. Yeah, I will say though, yeah. really quickly, top of the top of the review. If you haven't seen this film, yes, I recommend it. We all recommend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Go watch it because it is a murder mystery. And if you listen to it now, first <laughs> yeah. up, you won't get to enjoy it for what it really is. And that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. We'll deal with less downloads for the week. We will survive. But go watch the movie if you haven't seen it first. We all love it. We'll just get that in the open. It's great. We'll come back. Oh. The, three of, the three of us will just sit here in silence for two hours and ten minutes. You come back. And, then <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll say this about it. Um, even knowing exactly where it's going to go, I think I may have enjoyed it more the second time around. You tend to, though. You you love a good spoiler, don't you? Because you, you like to see how the film builds you up to that reveal or to that moment. Like, you're really into that. Because yes. you're a psychopath. Yes, I, I, <laughs> well, I enjoy it the first time around because I'm taken on, on the ride of the mystery. But then subsequent times after that, I, I, I can enjoy it if it's been well-crafted because it will build the tension, it will build everything, and you can look for all the clues. You can you can see all the little subtle winks that... that uh, you know, the film is making to you to, uh, uh, did, did you see that? That's pointing you in the, in the right direction, mm. but you didn't notice that the first time, did you? 
Absolutely not. Now, we didn't discuss this yeah, before. Yeah, I picked up on, on more stuff the second time around for sure. Mm-hmm. Just as enjo- I enjoyed it just I, as much as the first time as well. This film came out after we did our top 10 of the uh, of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a shame that we... They, I mean, it, it was released right at the end of the year. And, and it's a shame that it came out after that because this absolutely would have been in my top 10. I dare I so say, too, yeah. Andrew, this may have knocked Skyfall off my list. <laughs> ah well, <laughs> but accused by Daniel Craig ratio perfectly has this. Oh, can't disagree. <laughs> so I gotta say, I, this is not this is not part of my review per se, but my God, having Daniel Craig do that that long southern drawl the entire time, like deeper than that. <laughs> Holy shit. It took, uh, it took me a good hour for it to sound normal, but he was actually nailing really? it. His accent was fucking yeah. great. But every time I looked yeah. at him, I'm like, cause he's also playing a fucking old school detective. So I'm like, he could just sound British and that would not be a problem. But him going with that accent for some reason enriched it so much more. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love it was it. Ryan Johnson originally wrote it uh, with, with with the notes in the in the in the screenplay saying uh, Benoit Blanc has a subtle southern accent, but as Daniel Craig uh, researched it and investigated it, he got um, I'm, I'm just trying to find the name of it of, of a southern historian, uh, and he just ended up uh, essentially mimicking his his, his drawl. Well, he, what Which he did, did uh, and he did, a, he did a fantastic job of it. Oh, Shelby Foot or Foot F W O T E. Shelby Foot. There yeah. you go. Yes. What I wanted to say, and this is dream casting. I know uh, Sega dream casting. I know we can't. Um, <laughs> I know they would never do this casting today. But I got such a vibe of Kevin Spacey from Daniel Craig's performance in this. And really? specifically from his House of Cards character. And I think it may, maybe it was just the voice, but it was also just the, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, the way that all the words were specifically drawn out while watching it, I thought. I do genuinely wonder, had this film have come out years before Kevin Spacey was, you know, Persona Non Grata, if this would have actually been a, a, a good choice of him. Because, I mean, not that I want Tangle Craig out of this film. Leave him. Don't you dare touch him. He's fine. But I, I do <laughs> wonder if that would have been the um, instinct there. Hmm. Especially after House of Cards. Possibly. I mean, it's yeah. They they certainly you know are, are similarly played in that in that respect. Yeah, definitely. Daniel Craig is a solid choice for this. Oh, fucking brilliant choice! Uh, all of the cast. It's such a good cast. Holy shit! Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Hey, I, I really enjoyed it. It was just a fucking. Oh, I just wanted to punch Jamie Lee Curtis in the face the entire time though, which is a which is a lot. <laughs> I always love her performances in films, but she played that. St- Duck up, so well, fucking hey. wasp characters so well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even Tony Collette was very funny as well. Oh, but she's also, great as well, yeah. she needed. To, oh, yeah. Michael Shannon. I, 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 yeah. Fucking great cast. I'm super happy going in. I was, I was just yeah, very pleased with a lot of the choices made here. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So for me, it was the first time. Andrew was the first time. Jordan, obviously, you've come back for a bit of a revisit. Um, no, I. I had I had seen this before. Oh, both. Oh, so I'm I'm the uh, knives out virgin. Well, here we go. Yeah, I, I I I didn't see it when it first came out at the cinema, but I did end up seeing it at an open air uh, sort of park uh, cinema thing. 
Um, probably a couple of months after it was premiered. Oh yeah, it was it was, it was great. Hmm. Well, I think I think this is this is a, a good film to watch with an audience, um, especially yeah, especially people who are seeing it for the first time. It's you know it's an experience you can only capture in in a short window of time. Uh, because by then people have, have seen it and know exactly what's going on. But just mm. hearing all the laughter and the gasps in the right spot, that's that's a good this is a good audience film for that, where you want to share those yeah, those reactions. So, yeah, I know. I was just happy coming in, not knowing what was going to happen. Like that's for me. That's that was what makes the makes the experience when it comes to these specific kinds of films. Um, even yeah. like. Oh, I, Here's the problem. I can't watch this film again properly now for like 10 years. And it's the same thing. Like, <laughs> what? Well, really? Because I need to not remember who it was and have that. Oh, come on. No, it's just, nah. it's just how I feel about this. I'm, I'm not saying like I don't recommend or anything like that. No, no, no. For me, the enjoyment is in the chase. And for me, it's trying to work out what's going on. I get a little bit competitive with the fictional characters, Andrew. I can't help it. Um, same reason, like, I was really kind of reluctant to go into the um, the remake of Murder on the Orient Express because part of my brain was like, oh, Seb, you remember there was some crazy twist with the original when you saw it, but you can't remember what it was. And then I went in and halfway through, I was like, oh, yep, nope, cool, remember it. The movie was fine, but it didn't have that surprise factor when the reveal happens. And that's a shame. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, I love these films. I just wish I could shoot myself, you know, in the brain to forget them the second after I watch them <laughs> so I can enjoy them again. But maybe you should just get drunk and enjoy them only when you're, when you're, you know, close to being blackout drunk because <laughs> then you genuinely won't remember. That's probably safer than the gun idea that I'm raising. <laughs> so I'll give you that. <laughs> um, well, well, the audience seemed to agree with you. Yeah. Um, 97%. Critical score on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-two percent audience. It's very, very high. It says uh, seven point nine on IMDb, which I think actually makes it yeah. just short of the top two hundred and fifty list. Because I think the which seems yeah, which which seems a bit of a, a a bit of a shame that the IMDb rating is is so out of touch with the Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is the, the more accurate one to be honest. I mean, it's still it's still effectively an eight out of ten, so it's yeah. I, I can believe one in five people are stupid. Like that's fine. Like, that's a believable <laughs> statistic. Yeah, but uh, Ryan Johnson showing his showing his credentials uh, off off a budget of forty million dollars. The film grossed three hundred nine million. I believe it was three hundred million for a murder mystery in twenty twenty. Isn't that incredible? That's fucking great. It's impressive for sure. Yeah. I'm just checking. Sorry, yeah. the bottom one hundred list. For IMDb, sorry, the top one hundred list. For IMDb, not the not the top two fifty. Eight point three is the rating for the one hundredth film on the list. So it was actually. Yeah, it was yeah, four decimal points short of even being close. Actually, realistically, uh, as good as it was, the audience thinks it's quite a bit beneath. <laughs> yeah. Well, if nothing else, we know audiences can be wrong. So. Yep, absolutely. You're all wrong. Thank God you're here. <laughs> so you can hear all the right things. <laughs> please don't leave. Yeah, no, please stay. Um, so sorry, Andrew. Was there any more like sort of trivia and things that you read about this film that you thought were pretty good? I saw some interesting stuff. I've got, I've got a lot of trivia on this film. Oh, go crazy! Uh, I, I love that that good films and you know sort of intricately planned films. I I will say this of of this film. Um, it's only what like Ryan Johnson's fifth um, film or something like that. He's quite a 
an inexperienced director in that in that sense. Um, and the last film he did, of course, was Last Jedi, which also made a phenomenal amount of money, but got a lot of criticism for not being, you know, a Star Wars thing. Uh, but I, I, I would liken him to Tarantino in the sense that he went balls out in in references on this. You know, there are little winks and nods and everywhere from the music to the to the to the way shots are constructed, to you know the, the framing and what what is what is in shot, what is out of shot. He went he went to a lot of effort to include a lot of detail that would go uh, completely missed by somebody who wasn't paying that much attention or wasn't inclined to pick up on those references. Yeah, no, and all and all credit to him. It, he does he does a great job of it, and because of that, it's you know the, the trivia is absolutely littered with it. So the uh, the voice of the detective that Martha's sister is listening to on her computer at the start of the film is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who has been in, I think, you know, four or, or so of uh, Ryan Johnson's films. They work together quite a bit. He wasn't in Star Wars, was he? Did he have a cameo or anything? Oh, maybe maybe he was a trooper. Yeah. Because yeah. Dan, just Daniel yeah, Craig. Yeah. Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper in Force Awakens. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah. He's the one that Ray mind tricks on the um Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The bizarre interconnectedness of all these of all these things. Um, Star Wars prequel. <laughs> the film managed to keep its PG thirteen rating by making a few changes. Originally when Ransom is sitting in the uh, in the room and saying to everybody, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. Which was in the trailer and actually sold me on on the film when I when, when I saw the trailer. I said, okay, if Chris Evans is being that character and speaking yeah. like that, I have to I have to see this film. Uh, they were originally fuck yous in the script, and they also digitally removed a little bit of blood from Harlan's death scene in order in order to keep their PG thirteen rating. On that note, sorry, um, Joseph Gordon Levitt did voice a character in the Last Jedi. There you go. Slow and low. Had to get him in. Name. Yeah, I don't know who that is or what that is, but he voiced him. Uh, so Ryan Johnson didn't, you know, he, he wrote it, obviously, but didn't like the donut speech that uh, Benoit Blanc gives. Are you familiar with that one? Do you remember that one? Yeah. He gave several donuts. He's talking speeches, about, well, there's, there's one later in the film where he's when he's speaking to Martha on her own. You see there saying, was a donut yes, inside of the other donut. This case this case is a donut with a with a hole in it, but the hole in our donut has a hole in it. It essentially is a donut with its own donut hole that we now have to fill with this other donut. That whole thing. John Ryan Johnson wanted to cut it, but Daniel Craig convinced him, hold on, just hear it out, hear it hear it played out. Uh, we've got to keep it. I, I really like it. I actually thought it and was it, one of the it, very good lines. And honestly, it's a yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun. As goofy as it is in premise, and it, it kind of fits. Not goofy because he's a southern character, but it, it is that very like colloquial sort of explanation. Like it kind of very southern, up. yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think honestly, it very clearly and visually depicts exactly what he's saying. Like we're looking for this big problem here and we found a solution, but there's still a problem with that solution. And I thought visually yeah. it, it actually was quite an apt way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a good example of, of a clever writer doubting his own work just because he's read it so many times. It now just sounds stupid, but to, to fresh eyes and delivered 
in the right way, it actually maintains that that credibility. Yeah, and that's a, that's honestly it's a, it's a huge thing. Like when you do write something, not yeah. that I'm anywhere near this. Don't get me wrong, but you will reread and reread and reread. And I'll, <laughs> I'll hand stuff to Jordan and be like, "Here's what I've got." But honestly, by this stage, I fucking hate it. And yeah. but I liked it a week that ago. That what you're doing is okay. <laughs> yeah, please tell me I'm good. <laughs> I had to do the same thing yesterday because I spent most of yesterday afternoon working on a song and like after four hours I was like this is fucking garbage <laughs> yeah. so I was like I had to like send it through to the other guys in the band I'm like tell me I'm good <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but honestly it's it's so true like I've written some stuff that I'm like you know in a series of things I'm like alright whether we change this or this I don't mind but I'm convinced that this one piece here has to stay as is as it is. It's not. I would never say yeah. anything's perfect, but it does exactly what it needs to do, and I'm happy with it. Two days later, I'll be like, "What the fuck was I thinking? I need to burn this entire <laughs> yeah. thing down." Yeah, yeah. It's so I do. Yeah, even on a low scale version, I do definitely sympathise with those thoughts of Ryan Johnson there. And how many times do um, do writers and other people involved in in productions? They can't predict the the lines that are going to be catchphrases. They can't mm, predict what's what, what's going to be popular. They they think it's going to be one thing, but the audience just goes mad for this other thing that they had completely missed. Okay, but they weren't looking at it as a, as a final product. They had seen it from from the inside, where things look completely different. Yeah, you know exactly. And a fresh set of eyes can do wonders for that, which is why you know people oh, tend yeah. to shop things around to to colleagues, to friends, and everything. Like you could have written, you could have written, written, you could have, yeah, uh, composed the same email, you know, a hundred times. And on that hundred and first time, you're like, yeah, but it doesn't make sense. Like it's the, it's the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's always good. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So uh, the, the film is obviously a tribute to Agatha Christie and the whole whodunit uh, kind of genre. Um, but Harlan dying on his 85th birthday is also a wink to Agatha Christie, who died, on, who died uh, at age 85. Oh, look at it go. Ah. Uh, Harlan's portrait, uh, the one hanging throughout the house, it wasn't finished until after the production had, uh, after, after they finished shooting. So it's digitally added throughout the film. Oh, wow. Did I, can and I there, ask this photo, and there are a few other, there, this, picture, sorry? this picture, did it change yeah. throughout the film or was he always sort of smiling? Because I, it was only... Now, I think that that's the sort of thing that... that um, can be really investigated on repeat viewings, and I'll certainly be looking out for it because where, you, you notice in that opening, the whole first act is is just that interrogation of uh, establishing exactly what happened uh, during the evening from everybody's different point of view. And there's there's one scene that's really obvious where uh, Harlan's cake is is coming down with the with the fire on it, and depending on who's telling the story. Uh, it, it changes who is who is standing right around him and you know kissing him on the cheek and and, and such, uh, and that's and that's nicely done visually. That somebody else is telling the story and all of a sudden you have you have different people in, in exactly the same scene. Are you guys familiar with? I, I think I've brought it up a couple of times in the scattered history of this podcast, but the the um the Russian film of well, technique called the Kulshov effect. Have we discussed this? Yes. Yeah. 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 So effectively. It's generally speaking, the best example is always people are like, there's a shot of a man, it's just like with, with the neutral face, and then a shot of a bowl of soup, and then a shot back to the man. 
and people will impose yeah. that the man maybe looks hungry, for example, even though his face yeah. is exactly the same. I wonder if when it comes to the painting of the of the grandfather, if it was a similar technique at play there, because I felt like the entire time whenever they'd cut to it, he had like this sort of smug, like look at the little smirk on it. Yeah. 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 But at the very end of the film, when he um when the house has been changed ownership and all that, and it turns back to the nurse and then it goes to the fo- to the portrait, I genuinely feel like he was just smiling and happy for her. And I wonder okay. if that was Interesting. A, like a circumstantial version of that effect or whether the painting has changed. And I, mm. I haven't looked back. So I, I'm curious because <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely read the painting as different things throughout the film. So, yeah. If it wasn't changed, and I hope it wasn't, super clever work then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I, but I wouldn't put it past Ryan Johnson to have included that. Uh, as an as an effect, I think yeah, there's. I could see it being intentional for sure. Um, the the book Gravity's Rainbow is mentioned in the film. Benoit mm-hmm. Blanc kind of says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I really like the title, but nobody's read it. Of course, of course, you haven't read it." Um, Gravity's Rainbow is actually about it is a sort of a satirical piece about the development of the V two rocket um, in in Nazi Germany. Now, the author was Thomas. Pinchon, and in 1973, Gravity's Rainbow won a National Book Award and was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. The advisory board for the Pulitzer Prize was terribly offended by it, uh, describing it as uh, turgid, obscene, and unreadable, and they awarded no Pulitzer Prize in 1974 as a result. The National Book Award did go ahead, but... Pinchon refused to accept it in person, so Viking Press sent a comedian to accept it on his behalf, and the ceremony was interrupted by a streaker. What the fuck? Why is history so weird? Really quickly, I just did some research. The painting was tweaked for the last shot to give him a slight smile. There you go. Okay, so not as clever. I mean, still, still a nice sentiment. I was kind of really just hoping that it had been like this unintentional or, or intentional like film technique thrown into there, and I was happy to give all yeah. the credit. But the, I mean, it was intentional, so it was still a good choice. Just not the uh, not the slight mm. of mind that I thought it would be, or the slight of smile. Anything else? There you guys? go. Care to guess what the working title was? Well, Ooh. can we talk about the title after that as well? Because I'm confused by, by working title. Do you mean fake title that it was sent under, or actual like working working title before it was before? The, it was well, yeah, the, the working title um, obviously before it settled on, or to throw journalists off the off the scent, if that may be the case for something more popular. Mm. It has nothing to do with the film. Oh, okay. not really. Uh, it was it was called Morning Bell. Morning Bell. Morning with an O with a mm. O U or just morning like good morning. Ah no, just morning is in good morning. Well, then I'm out of ideas. But, uh, well, that's not nearly but, as clever. But Morning Bell, yeah, and and I and I wonder. I'm not familiar with uh, Agatha Christie's repertoire, but I wonder if Morning Bell was the title of one of her book, or you know, a Morning Bell had something to do with one of her stories. Maybe. Yeah. Um, why? Is I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised out. if it did. Knives out. I'm guessing just because the entire um, family has got it out for each other. Was that the is that the, answer, the easy answer? Well, there's there's the line in the film when things get desperate, knives come out. Yeah, the title of the film so, yeah. generally had me concerned at one point when they had 
in the final mo- moments of the film when they're doing the big reveal of who actually is the murderer, blah, 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 blah. They were standing around windows and the entire family was so batshit crazy. I was literally expecting that scene to be interrupted with a Tarantino style, everyone gets murdered ending. Because I didn't know this film was people. <laughs> and I was genuinely fucking nervous when watching it because I thought that was going to happen. Um, because of the title of the film, I was like waiting for it to just dis- dissolve into a Kingsman style violent ending, but it did not, which is a good choice. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Not today, Seb. Maybe the sequel. That's <laughs> certainly fine. Uh, Morning Bell is the name of a Radiohead song. That's as far as I can research. I can't see any books with yeah. the title. There you go. I can look up the lyrics and find any relevance if you'd like, though. <laughs> oh, I don't think we need to go into that much detail. Too late. You guys continue. I'm reading the, Radiohead lyrics. Pass on Radiohead. <laughs> well, I, I don't have any other trivia. I mean, there's there's lots to talk about, but it starts to get very, um, very sophisticated. There's there's one I remember reading sure. of Patton Oswalt, the, the comedian Patton Oswalt, who is is a bit of a nerd for these. Um, uh, for these referential things. There's a song like uh, an hour and 20 minutes in done by a band who, uh, I can't remember what it was, but somehow there was was a, a, no, that's right. The song was done by a band, a groupie of which was credited as being the woman who uh, injected, who, who gave uh, John Belushi the injection of heroin and cocaine that killed him. And Patton called up Ryan Johnson to say, is that supposed to be a reference to Martha having having done the, the, the fatal injection? Oh. And like, there's that level of, of reference that, whether intentional or not, you can read into because, because it's there. Yeah, right. Okay, interesting. Guys, the morning mm. bell song is not a coincidence unless I'm really reading. Well, there you go. Okay. There you go. Some of the lyrics are, are similar to things that are in the film. I'm probably just reading into it though. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'll start with the basics. There's a line just that says you can keep the furniture. Now that's one of my low tier examples of this being a relevant thing, but I like Nice. I okay. Uh, yeah. Repeated lyrics. Where did you park the car? Um, which is also okay. a bit relevant to when the plot goes forth, when she's told to come off the driveway at a certain point. Um, literally, it, I mean, this is a bit more reading into um, everybody wants to be a friend. The lights are on, but nobody's home. And there is just a, mo- a, a whole part about going round and round and round and round. Uh, I think it's Very tenuous, good. but I genuinely, I mean, I think, hey, it's art. I'll interpret it that way. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I think that's, I that's convinced me that it's that it's a, a, a definite reference, intentional. Yeah. The only thing that doesn't get me is it has a bump on the head, which I would have obviously put across to Agatha Christie style, like the murder, you know. But obviously, we yeah. know that wasn't the way that this film went. Oh, I actually, I was reading though about um, Ryan's troubles with trying to find a way to have the murder occur. That could be definitely someone's fault, but also easily reversible and legitimate in how it wasn't their fault towards the end of the film. Which is how, how about that? which is how he stumbled into the answer of the um the mixed medications about how it could be someone's fault, very certainly, but also how it could be taken away from them last minute, not be their fault, and it wouldn't feel like a cop out. 
Of course, yeah. The trouble is, ah, I assume because about 30 minutes into the film where we quote, unquote, find out who did it, that I assumed that the medicine was mixed up anyway because what are we doing right. for another hour and a half? <laughs> but that's, that's... Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's more of a metatextual, like, something else is up because of course it is. Um, well, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's where the film is kind of clever because it, it threw obviously not, not everybody, but most people off, off the scent because then it becomes a film about her getting away with it Yes, by masking the clues because she uh, runs the, runs the magnetic strip over the security tape that incriminates her. Um, uh, what else is there? She throws away the, the little, little bit of the trellis that, um, that she managed to, to knock off. Um, she throws that away, which unfortunately comes back for her later on. Um, she deliberately walks over the mud patch where her, where her footprints would have been, uh, would have been able to, to have been lifted. Ooh, so yeah. she does. Yeah. The, the film goes from a whodunit to Martha trying to so catch me get away with it. Um, yeah. Um, not, not because she did it, but my, the, the consequences of her being caught are horrible for her mother. Exactly. Yeah. Did I miss something? I, I know we're kind of jumping ahead, and we'll get in, well, guys. We will get into the main review very shortly. But there's a spot, there's a scene where when she's back home with her mother, we have like a close up of her of her sneakers, and there's a drop of blood on them. Does that ever come yes. back? Yes. Yeah. Right at the very end. Did it? But when was that? Did you? I must have missed it. That's when, the whole point of the right end. at the very yeah, like the end of the yeah. movie when Daniel she Craig's asked, character is talking to her. Yeah, she asked Blanc, how did how did did you ever know that I was involved? And he said, yes, right from the very start. Look at your shoes. Oh, cool. That's I, I must have just missed that line. That makes a lot of sense. And that explains. <laughs> I, remember him, I remember him saying he, yeah, did, I, he did know that she was involved. I just missed the look at the shoes line. And I was like, assumed, of course. Guys, I love these films. I love whodunit films. Oh, by the way, I paid no attention to the final scene of the, of the final act whatsoever. I double featured this with McGruber, okay? He was still busy thinking about the ghost there. Yeah, every time I close my eyes in black and white images, I see fucking Will Forte humping a ghost, okay? Is it, is it Will Forte? Am I naming the wrong actor now? I don't even know. No, that's right. Unfortunately, that's him. Well, should we get into the actual breakdown of the movie then? Like the actual the play by play. Let's do it. Well, Andrew, I I'm just an old Southern gentleman, but I would prefer if you were to take us through this because I feel as though your notes might be more sufficient than my own. I actually didn't take any notes oh, on the on the thing. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I, I remember what happens, but oh, so much of it is just. Um, uh, so much of it is is just visually done for us. Mm, okay, so, so we we start off um, straight away. It's immediately uh, we know Harlan's dead, and the film takes place a week after his his death. Yep. Uh, so, so there's the the, the police uh, come to the house where the family has has been summoned. Um, to have this to have this interview, and they just begin their interrogation. There's somebody sitting at the back of the room that we we don't see. We we know it's Daniel Craig, but we haven't been introduced to the character yet. And the interrogation is just establishing the events of what happened. So it's the 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 police are running their their interview because Harlan's Harlan's death was uh, deemed a suicide on initial investigation, but now a week later. 
this uh, private detective has been has been hired, and so it's not reopened essentially. I mean, the case wasn't closed yet because the the body is uh, has, hasn't been buried yet or something. I can't remember why, but, but but the whole case is still open. It hasn't definitively been ruled as a suicide. That's just where everybody's happy to to have left it. So. From their perspective, they're carrying on this interrogation for the audience. It's exposition about what's what's going on and done in a very pleasing way. There's not a fucking dream sequence in any of this. It's very cleverly done. And the whole first Isn't that act, refreshing? Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, and the whole first act is really this interrogation of um, the different establishing the different characters, how they're related. To, so, so Harland, we find out, has three children – but only two of them are living, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Don Johnson. Uh, no, not Don Johnson. He's Jamie Lee Curtis' wife. Um, who's the other guy? He's got... Uh, um... The guy playing Neil. Oh, the guy God. playing Neil. He's his youngest son who runs his publishing, uh, the, the publishing company. Ah, uh, yeah, what's his name? Um... So, yeah, there's, there is Don Johnson. There's Tony Collette's character. There's freaking um. Yeah, she's she's, her, she's the widow of of his of his uh, eldest son. Ah, it is Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walt. Walt. Yeah, Walt. Um, uh, Tony Collette is yeah Neil's uh, no, or is or is Neil Jamie Lee Curtis's Linda's uh, uh, daughter-in-law. Andrew, just, and, 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 and Tony Collette is is is, is Harlan's daughter-in-law. That's that's right. Who has a daughter, Meg? Yeah. Um, who is me? And then we, we find out as well uh, how everybody how everybody is really being supported by Harland. And so they all kind of have a have a motive um, for having um, for having killed him because we find out that Walt uh, Harland fired Walt that night, uh, the, the night of his murder, um, in order to give him a fresh start because he thinks he's just been over, overshadowed by by um, his father's. Uh, sort of achievements, and he hasn't really had a chance to go out on his own. We find out that Harland also found out uh, Linda's husband um, has is having an affair or cheated on her uh, once at least. So he was going to tell her unless Walt, uh, unless uh, Neil let her know. We find out that Linda's son Ransom also had a, had a bit of a fight. With um, with Harlan, and so all these all these little things come out to establish a potential motive for everybody. Which the detective on the case, when Mel uh, Mel, Mel Blanc, when Benoit Blanc is explaining it, uh, he kind of says, "Yeah, these are all weak source. There's nothing really uh, to go on. It's a suicide, as far as I'm concerned." So we get to the end. Of, I mean, there's there's nothing I could say about those interrogations. Um, Except there's just slight that, differences between everyone's version, but that's kind yeah. of half of the course. Yeah, and and it's it, it's something that really comes across uh, visually when it's uh, uh, when it's all when it's all being presented for you. That's that's the format that gives it the the best impact, the most impact. Yeah. So see it. You have to see it to to do it. But yeah. that's essentially where, where we go. <laughs> <laughs> And we also we also get little snippets along the way of what uh, Martha um, had done with um, with Harlan in in his room at the night. They they went up there for their nightly game of go, where she gives him his his medicine, and then she and then she goes home. Yep. So at the end of the first act, we find out that okay, 
what in actual fact happened was that she gives him the wrong medication. Yeah, so there's two drugs mm-hmm. she has to give him. One's 100 milligrams and one's three. She's They've dropped on the ground. She's picked them up. She's done the injections and she's realized, oh shit, I gave you 100 milligrams of the three milligram drugs and the other way around. So mm-hmm. fuck, yes. you've got 10 minutes until you die. Let me get the antidote. Oh, it's missing. And the ambulance is 15 yes. minutes away. So fuck. Like that's the- Rip. Yeah. And so Harlan being the, uh, the mystery- uh, writer himself concocts this elaborate plan um, where he's he's already cleaned house with everybody else, and so I guess he's he's made amends with with his life. He concocts this plan where he'll end his own life to get Martha off the hook because he knows how much is riding on her and her family um, staying off off the radar. Uh, that she can get away with it, and as long as she does these, you know. She goes through with a complicated series of, of events immediately after. Everything will be fine. So I will say, from from the version of stories that we've gotten from the three members of the household prior, the the the, the, the kids first, and then the version that we get when she's telling just the audience effectively what actually did happen, we've already got our first set of big clues set up to actually reveal that it wasn't in fact Martha at the end of the film. Um, just yeah, in that yeah. one moment, and um, which is what I appreciate because it is like the the little things of when she does go through the whole plan that he's outlined for her. You know, drive down this far, turn after the elephant statue, blah blah blah, come back to the house, and we do see her all the while entering in. Um, it was in one of the children's stories that we pretty much found out that she gets woken up by, like, everything. And one of the things that wakes her up in that original scene is the dogs barking. Yes. And we and the dogs, very early, are, are established to not bark at people they know and are familiar with. Yep. Yeah, that's and right. specifically, they don't bark at her. So if you're following purely just based on the timelines there, there's an unexplained bark that, works, that wakes someone up. So... Mm. I, I do like and in, in, in the context of how the interrogations are being delivered, we don't know for certain whether that's somebody trying to uh, just inject a bit of, a bit of um, mystery that, you know, a, a bit of false information that didn't actually happen just to get people off, off the scent or if they're mistakenly remembering something that happened at a different time. Yeah, so it's all still very vague and pleasantly vague at this point. Yep, yeah, so good stuff so far. And it does continue. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Yes. Then the second act starts and we get to the will reading. Frank Oz, fucking Frank Oz, mm, comes sorry, in David. As, <laughs> as, as the lawyer and reads out the will. All the, all the kids are terribly excited about what they're going to get, despite all having um, unpleasant conversations with, uh, with their father the night of his, of his death. Uh, they're all expecting to get a, a share of the house or some cash or the business, you know, whatever it happens to be. And we find out that Harland completely changed his will a week before his death, sealed it so nobody knows the contents of it, not even not even the lawyer uh, at this time, and it's binding. We find out he leaves absolutely everything to Martha, cutting everybody else off. Which is fucking great because, I mean just from a pure like schadenfreude sort of thing. His family is trash, except for, I think it's one of his granddaughters. Oh, yeah. The one that 
gets made to make the call to Martha earlier by the rest of the family to try and manipulate yeah. her. Yes, She's Meg, good. Right. Meg who, is, who is Tony Collette's daughter, who yeah. is the widow of his eldest son, yeah. So she's fucking lovely, but everyone else is absolute different levels of crash. <laughs> They're just, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so very quickly, the family turns on her, and all of a sudden we now have, um, the, the audience now has a motive as to why she could have done it intentionally, and that's going to be the twist at the end. Oh, and also we do find out that when they all gather for the will reading, Ransom, um, what's his name, Chris... Um, Chris Evans. Chris Evans' character. He's told off, oh, so you can make, you're, you're here early for the will reading, but you know show the funeral, which just yes. seems like they're painting what an absolute asshole this guy is. No, turns out yeah. super important into the grand scheme of the plans because they've actually now saying to the audience, this person was unaccounted for at a period of time. But the story is this person's an asshole. It's very well done. I, I like how yeah. they're telling you everything you need to know, but also they're all doing it in a character way. It's good. Yes. So the, the family turn on her. She is overwhelmed by all this information, gets into her car to go away, but her car won't start. Ransom pulls up beside her to be the to be the, the hero of the day, and he whisks her away from the family to go to a cafe to eat. Or, or you know, just to get her away and collect her thoughts. She completely... Uh, 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 confides in him as to the actual story of what has of what has happened. Oh, quick aside, we didn't mention she has a condition that when people lie or she lies, she vomits. Just going to throw that in there, yes. which is a weird conceit, but it didn't feel out of place in this film. Um, but that's a character, and it pays off. Yeah, it pays off a yeah, few it, times. It, it yeah. pays off a couple of times actually. So she she lays it all out for uh, for ransom, who. We're now introduced to as not an asshole necessarily, just somebody who's out for himself. He confides in in her that he had a very frank discussion with Harlan the night of his death, and yes, it was heated, but as a result of that, he's got this newfound confidence, um, having realised that he's going to have to do everything for himself. You know, he, his his fortune is no longer going to be handed to him; he has to get it into his own hands. So he says he says to Martha. Stick with it. Stick with the story. We can get through it. I'll back you up. Um, look, either you fall and I get my share anyway, or you continue with um, you continue with uh, the, the will as as Harlan wanted it, where you get everything. But as a reward for me helping you, uh, you know, cover everything up, I, I get my share anyway. So he's fine no matter which way it goes. Uh, and then it's and then it's he reveals that yeah he he fed her a full bowl of beans and toast because he knew she couldn't lie and he asks her directly did you did you kill him okay what did you what what actually what actually happened what's actually going on yeah so she goes through everything with him so he's on board in theory with the whole plan mm-hmm. she then goes back home and this has made the news instantly that she is the sole. Um, the sole benefactor of this huge estate. So the media is there. She's got letters from lawyers, uh, you know, offering their, their services for do it. And in that, she finds a blank envelope, which is essentially a ransom note. Uh, oh, it has a photocopy of. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. number two. She she has the she has the the I didn't even think of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the top half of a toxicology report. 
So she knows, um, or she suspects that the toxicology report will, will reveal that he was actually full of this other drug. So that blows her her cover completely out, right? She can no longer deny her, her involvement in his death. And in fact, if it went to court with that evidence, she would no doubt lose because she would just be assumed to have deliberately killed him. Um, but it has it has a note on there saying meet at this meet at this place at this specific time. Um, and so her and Ransom the next morning go off to try and find out you know the other the other blood work uh, and everything from this uh, from this blood lab from this pathology lab. When they get there, they find out it has been burnt to the ground. But the police are there. Um, Benoit Blanc notices her. She immediately, Ransom is in the car with her. They immediately turn around and get out of there. She thinks she's being chased because, of course, you know she's now she's now a suspect. Uh, and 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 of course, the police must must know that she gets away, and they have what the detective describes as the dumbest car chase ever, yep. <laughs> <laughs> where she ends up in a dead end. Uh, and they actually take in Ransom for questioning. Um, I can't remember exactly what the reason is given at the time for why they why they do that. They imply that Ransom made her do the driving like that to get away from the scene, like that she was almost being like yes, hostage. But, but why they're suspicious of him in the first place? Because he wouldn't um, I can't, stop I can't. questioning. Um, when they went to question him at the reading of the of the um, the will, he blew the cops off. Oh, okay. Is so that, I is assume that it? okay. it's just right. he's now at the scene of a crime and he was dodging police questioning. I think it's just prob- like they've got some cause to think he's up to something. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, so she then has this, Upcoming appointment to to keep with this um, with this blackmailer, um, and uh, ransom is taken off in the car. But Benoit Blanc gets in the car with Martha, and then she is panicking. What the hell do I do? Do I still go to this meeting? Do I follow them to the to the thing? She says to him, "Look, I need to make a stop and pick something up. Excuse me, it'll only take a few minutes." And she goes to the to, to the place next door. Uh, she walks around the back. Uh, it's a, it's an old laundromat, uh, completely dark, but there is a figure seated at the end of it. And Martha immediately says, "What do you want from me? Uh, what's going on? I'm I'm sorry that uh, that things went down the way they did, but it wasn't my fault. I don't know." When she gets closer to the figure, she notices that it seems to be the, uh, the housekeeper, and it seems to be what well, it is the housekeeper, but it seems that she's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but. We find out um, she she's not quite dead. She still you know gasps for air, and Martha you know again not knowing quite what to do. Does she continue with the cover up? She could just let Fran die, uh, and everything would be fine. She's convinced that she's the that she's the blackmailer who knows everything. She could let her die, but she doesn't. Conscious gets the better of her, and she calls the ambulance. Fran goes to the hospital, uh, and we have we have a new. A completely new uh, a bit of information uh, for us as to as to who is behind it all. Yep, we got a brand new murder slash not murder added to this. Mm, the plot thickens as they mm. as they say. <laughs> we get back to we get back to uh, the car, um, and by the time they get back to the house, Martha now admits absolutely everything to Benoit Blanc, 
um, exactly as it went down, the whole thing with ransom, the whole thing with trying to, um, not trying to cover up essentially, but, you know, not giving him the, the, the full story as it's going along. Um, Are we back at Ransom's they, house they here? Get, no, they, they get back to the, to the Thromby house. Okay. Uh, do we go back to Ransom's because, house again? I, oh, no, sorry. When we were at Ransom's house, I should have mentioned it. When we were at his house, one of the first times where he's meeting with Marta, Marta, um, they're, mm-hmm. like, they're in his like living room and he does have actually a display of like fancy um, glass jugs um, across the back wall. And they're like, like the same jug lined up five times in a row or so. And one of them is just missing, which we will later on find out was used in the arsenal. Oh, uh, yeah. So right. once again, it's just like a, they have a symmetrical thing. Something's out of place, means absolutely nothing. And, but then you actually see, oh, that's why it's out of place. He literally just took the, oh, yeah. you know, the third one along the line and made a, cocktail, a Molotov yeah. cocktail out of it later. So um, yeah, sorry, just thought, I, was, I, I couldn't remember if that was the first or second time that we were at his house, but either way, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they get back to the Thromby house where uh, Benoit Blanc is going to announce to everybody that um, the, the, everything, the, the investigation is over and it's Martha there. She remembers um, or, or she uh, kind of realises um, where the blackmailer, Fran, would have kept the toxicology report which was in her secret stash where she kept a few joints and other, and other things. It genuinely is there. And as she's telling the family, um, you know, very sorry, this is what's going on and admitting to everything. Benoit takes a look at the Torres College report, stops everything. Calls them all bad people. And then, <laughs> uh, he fucking and then, he goes off on them. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and, he, and he ends up backing... Um, backing Martha in it, that okay, you know, she genuinely may have been involved in his death, but he doesn't think it's her fault. Um, and they're all terrible people, and she should she should uh, pursue the um, the reading of the will as it was intended by by Harlan, you know, so to to fight the the contest uh, on it. Then we get to the full reveal described play-by-play of what the hell is going on in a brilliant you know, speech and laying out by, by Daniel Craig, by, by Benoit Blanc. Do we reveal here what exactly is going on? Um, yes, I believe this is, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go into it fully. Once again, we've tried to keep, oh, well, I mean, you kind of get it by now, but you shouldn't be this far if you haven't watched it yet. Um, but yeah, I, I can continue on. I, I do have some moments I'd like to um, highlight that are not to specifically do with the reveal, but they are. are well, let's 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 do that before the reveal. So, but the, okay. So we're going to skip the reveal. But my reveal moments are actually from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. So we find yeah. out that um, the what's his name? I forget which actor was specifically dating um, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. He was told, Don Johnson. Yeah. Which one was he? Sorry. Oh, Don Johnson. Yeah. Don, he, uh, he was deal. It's, it's, it's her, her husband who's having the affair. Yeah, you're out of the will. I've written a letter. You tell you tell my daughter yeah. that you're cheating on her now, or I'll tell her myself. And that's that was. The well, thing. no, we 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 find out that she um, that Jamie Lee Curtis, Linda, has, uh, signed a prenup. So their entire fortune is in her name. If 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 they're divorced, he gets nothing. Yes, and but the, so the grandfather's is, like, you, well, you tell my, well, the father, you tell my daughter what you're doing or I'll yeah. tell her for you. Like, it's she's going to find yeah. out you're cheating. So yeah. what's interesting is 
after the initial questioning from Benoit at the beginning of the film, um, he breaks off and actually goes and grabs the letter and opens it up and discovers it's blank. He's mad about the whole thing. He kind of assumes the old man was just tricking me and he grabs this baseball and pegs it out the window. Later on, at the end of the film, it's revealed um, one of the dogs has the baseball, gives it to Jamie Lee Curtis, and she goes to return the baseball that this her husband threw out of the room. Was when, oh, when yeah. she finds the yeah, letter. Yeah. Um, and yes. We also, and then she ends up having to, she realizes the letters from her dad. Um, at the beginning of the film, we also established that she was reading some letters that had burnt edges on them. So she has this letter. She knows to add a bit of heat to it to get the ink to reveal itself because apparently this is just a, yes. a constant thing. So it was all set up and she discovers that her husband was... Harlan, Harlan played games with everybody. And, and yeah. Linda, Linda uh, says uh, in the initial interrogation, she says, to get on with my dad, you had to find the game. Yep. And that's how, and that's how you communicated with him. Perfect. So that was, that was in the part I really wanted to bring up just because that was a lovely bit of, you know, started off, paid off at the end sort of stuff. Nothing to do with the murder at all. Just once again, they're terrible people. Let's punish them. Um, but I appreciated that that was all justified throughout the film. And yeah. Paid oh, off yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that's all I had to bring up. If you want to jump into the murder, unless Jordan has anything else specific. Um, not so much. Like there is so many little things like that, but like you don't always pick up on. But like it just—it's so good. Like this is such a good movie. Like it all just plays off and like pays off in the end so well as well. Even then, like even just little things that we've talked about that I didn't pick up on, like the character's name of Ransom and the Ransom note. Like, yes, yeah. so, isn't that great? So <laughs> <laughs> and Ransom isn't his. Very importantly, it's not his first name; it's his middle name. Yeah, yes, because he makes Hugh. the staff call him Hugh. Yeah, because he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so. Again, I, I cannot do it justice by just recounting exactly what, what goes on. But essentially, Benoit Blanc lays it all out for everybody, exactly the, the course of events as, as they happened, and the reason he suspects that it's ransom behind behind everything. So uh, he recounts Martha's uh, story of, 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 of her involvement, what, what she did, uh, that whole initial cover-up, which was Harlan's plan to do it, um, but that, in fact, her scaling the, the, the house wall in order to do that, Ransom had also done that because the grandmother um, noticed or you know, asked Martha, Ransom, are you back again? And because of the dogs barking, uh, which kind of suspects that Ransom was in there while everybody else was away in order to switch the vials, so that this this thing happens, Ransom knew he was out of the will. Yep. So this was his plan to to frame Martha in order to whatever the will is. Um, the actually, oh no, he, he he did know that Martha was going to inherit everything. So he attempts to frame her for murder, which would make that will null and void, meaning everybody gets uh, an equally distributed share. So it's he still gets slayer, his share at the end of it. It's called the Slayer Clause, which is completely different. The Slayer Clause, yes. The, um, to how that works in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, in which it's more like the Slayer well, prophecy, I think, or I don't know. It's it's different. So no one gets any superpowers in this one, um, but they do lose money if they murder someone. Yeah. So, so they should. <laughs> yes. So, so, Ransom, so Ransom actually went up and switched the vials while everybody was at dinner. 
um, Martha does the thing and, and goes away, coming back to pretend to be Harlan in order to um, give the illusion that he was still okay after midnight, even though he was already dead. Then at 3 a.m., when the dogs are barking, Ransom has come back, but he can't make it back into the house to switch the vials back in order to uh, continue with the narrative that Martha did this on, on purpose. Um, he abandons that idea because he's just going to you know, be alerted by, by the dogs and everybody's going to wake up. He, he can't do it. So he waits until the funeral in order to go back into the house and do that, yep. which explains why he's not at the funeral. All good stuff. Because tick, 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 that's, that's, that's the one time he... Yeah, that's that's the one time he knows everybody's going to be out of out of the house. But specifically, but not everybody the is out of the house. And Martha were not invited to the funeral because the family didn't quote want the help there. So that's why because he gets they're seen. assholes. Because they're <laughs> assholes, exactly. <laughs> it all is so, so consistent. As what I fucking love yes. about this, they've done such a meticulous job of making sure that everything matters. Like yes. it all adds up, and it's so satisfying to watch it because of that. Yeah. And then, and then we find out that the ransom note that Martha had was actually uh, a ransom note that Ransom received from the housekeeper because she knew of his involvement uh, behind it all. And she had the toxicology report that would have uh, proved that, that Martha was, was uh, you know, um, innocent of, of everything that, that happened. Uh, and again, you know... Revealing the, 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 the true nature of, of, of Ransom and, and how shifty and cunty he is. He's literally the worst. And so then uh, uh, Ransom kind of kind of uh, responds to Benoit Blanc by saying, that's a very fanciful tale, but you don't have any evidence. Um, okay, so what if I... So what if I did try and kill Fran... Um, She's uh, she's in in hospital recovering. That's when we get a phone call to Martha from the hospital, and she announces to uh, she announces to the whole house that in fact uh, to 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 that party that in fact she's Fran is going to make a recovery and everything is and everything is fine. So Ransom is going to get in big doo doo. Yeah, because he'll he'll you know accuse he'll you know she'll sorry she'll accuse him of what he did blah blah blah. Yeah, and he's got this so lovely says, okay. of, What are you going to give me? Your attempted murder? I'm so rich. Uh-huh. You know how my lawyers will get. They'll they'll have no consequences. Blah blah blah. And then Martha goes the vom. <laughs> yep, revealing to all of us that in fact she was lying, and that she's dead, dead. And he's, <laughs> and he's confessed to doing it to her. And there's two cops present uh, and one of them has a recorder going. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, the, the guy who has the recorder going, he's, he was great. When, when Benoit Blanc is giving this whole, this whole reveal and the lead detective, the black guy, tries to interrupt him, that other that other detective who's doing the request, he's, let him go, let him go. <laughs> and which is, because in so many ways, because it's almost like he was recording it for his own personal recollect- recollection later, like, oh, this is such a cool moment. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit, I've got recordings of a murder, a murder confession. So Ransom, uh, you know, again, the, the, the line is repeated, okay, um, in for a penny, in for a pound, which was 
the reasoning Benoit Blanc gave to uh, as to why Ransom ended up torching the uh, the pathology lab. Um, Ransom runs with that and in for a penny, in for a pound. So he tries to kill Martha. But we have we have a little uh, a little callback to the start of the film, where Harlan just makes an offhanded comment about Ransom, you know, being clever but not even being able to tell a prop knife from an actual knife. Out of all the knives he he could have picked from this, you know, knife thrown chair, he picks a prop knife um, and tries to try tries to kill Martha, realizing his his horrible mistake that now he's <laughs> now he's on the hook. Excuse me for one murder, for arson and for another attempted murder as well. The only <laughs> thing about all of this that I do not buy is that somebody would own a knife chair like that because it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Harlan was eccentric. He of was, course, he yeah. was. You know, even even as a you know, um, I was going to say symbolic, not 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 symbolic, just as a just as an art, uh, an arty thing, oh. just to just have it there for show. This fam- this this house has been in my family for generations. No, your father bought this from a Pakistani man in the eighties or whatever it was. And you can literally there is a shot above one of the doors where you can see like the initials of the original owners of the house, and it's not the yeah. not even like the last letter of the surname of the family. Like it's just like this fucking like all this heritage they're talking. It's all just bullshit. I fucking love it. I didn't I didn't mention in the trivia, but the exterior shots of of the house. Are actually of an 1890s uh, Gothic revival mansion that is contractually um, uh, contractually limited to being described as near Boston. The actual location of it is is not allowed to be revealed by the by the production of the oh. film. That's interesting. I wonder why. Oh, here it is. Sorry. Hmm. Um, monogrammed above the um, the archway are the initials. Um, super. Impro- sorry. Second, so the keystone in the arched balcony door above the entryway has a monogram of the letter I superimposed over the letter T, which means the house was built by somebody whose initials were T I, which does not, which would obviously say that the ancestral, it was not the ancestral home of the Thromberries. So there was an I, and you can see they've printed a T over it to change their family's name onto it. So it's like even more so, like they're trying to rewrite history. It's fucking great. I love it. And the film finishes on a beautiful shot of uh, Martha sipping a sipping a coffee wrapped in a wrapped in a blanket um, from her balcony now of, of the house, looking down on the family who's out on their ass. And well, in the, the same position as we first met. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Yeah, all great. Well, I don't think we should beat a dead horse. I'll hit the verdict button. We'll get into this, okay? Let's do it. Okay, that song is half true. You heard the good. There was no bad. This film is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I really loved it. Um, the only thing that might get me to rewatch it earlier than anticipated is if I put it on and maybe my wife watches it. At least I can maybe enjoy watching it vicariously through another person who hasn't seen it. But realistically, okay. I won't be doing a, a recent rewatch on this one because I'd like to be surprised again. So I'm going to wait until dementia has set in and then I'll do it again. <laughs> But it's well, in stark right. contrast to that, I am absolutely going to watch this again tonight. Not only because 
because my YouTube uh, rental is still active. So mine. <laughs> on this one. But because um, having gone through the trivia and the references and just the, the few things that you guys have mentioned, um, I think there's a lot more to, to unpack um, from this and, and just to see more of the clues as to exactly what happened where and why. And what and what foreshadowing we're actually getting? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are you, Jordan? Yeah, definite big, big recommend. Um, I love this movie. I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to watch it a second time now as well. And similar to Andrew, I'll definitely go back and watch it. Not tonight, but at some point in the in the near future. I think you're definitely right. Like if we'd been doing those top ten uh, episodes, sort of more closer to now, I reckon it probably definitely would make my list. It's really, really good. Yeah. And, and credit to Ryan Johnson. I mean, he copped a lot of shit for Last Jedi, not mm. undeservedly, but it wasn't at all because of um, him being a bad filmmaker uh, in that sense. He just it, made it just, a bad film. Well, he made a film that was out of that was was out of genre. It didn't fit with, yeah. with, with the style of the other ones. Um, and maybe maybe a standalone film. If if he'd made Jedi uh, Last Jedi standalone. Maybe it could have been more more appreciated than it was, um, possibly. But his his credentials as a filmmaker and as a writer uh, are definitely showcased in this one. It is absolutely, absolutely. fantastic. Wonderful. Well, we'll be back next week with maybe The Godfather, but also maybe a different film. We're still working it out. Uh, Alex, Alex wanted to do The Godfather films, but he's kind of MIA with union work, so we might push them back. We'll work it out. But um, Alex yeah. can suck it. Deal is the choice. <laughs> You'll come back in a weekend for, for a mystery film is the point. Eat shit, Alex. Eat shit, <laughs> eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. Awesome. Uh, well, let's wrap it up, guys, and we'll get out of here. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Second Take Podcast, or if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. Get on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Second Take. You can also follow my personal Twitter account at JordanMSPP. Sweet. And you can follow me at Bastion underscore James. Our website, secondtakepodcast.com. Send us an email, secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash secondtake. Well, either way, we're back on Wednesday for the Variety Hour and then the following Monday for a mystery film. So, yeah, everyone take care. Indeed. Goodbye. Second Take Podcast is recorded within the Moreton Bay region of Queensland, Australia, and acknowledges this region's original owners, namely the Jinnabara, Kabi Kabi, and Yugera people. Second Take Podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of these lands, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures, and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 